when you are communicating what it is that you're offering to your prospective customer or to the world through advertising or marketing or content or whatever that is, you have to be able to tell that story in a very relatable way. Vision. Vision. Visionary Media. From Visionary Media, this is the Visionary Podcast. I'm PJ chong On today's episode, we talk about branding because branding is all about stories too. The competition in the business of thought leadership is stiff, and there will be programs, courses, or even business models out there that can be similar to yours. Standing out in the industry of changing lives can be challenging. Today, we will learn how to stand out in the context of branding and stories through the help of our visionary guest, Philip Van Dusen. I came to know Philip through Giselle Tech, a fellow creative. She's a brand strategist, founder, and CEO of The Rolling Media. She also happens to be Philip's mentee. Just a backstory, on the day of my recording with Philip, I must admit, I was so nervous. And it was because there were so many tech issues on that day. My mic and my audio was putting out some weird noises. Also, the internet was so bad. So there were instances where the audio got cut off or bleeped in between. I mean, technology can sometimes fail us. It happens. But you know what? He was on time, very patient and polite, professional, and I must say, quite fashionable too, wearing a pretty cool pair of bright colored eyewear. I like your sunglasses. I mean, eyeglasses. Thank you. They're they're cool because they actually, it's just like this little color thing. It's magnetic. Oh. It's some wow. new glasses I got. They have like, yeah, they have these little magnetic covers to them. You can get all sorts of different colors. Philip Van Dusen is one of the yeah, mavericks in the world of branding and design. Yeah, yeah and it's my brand color. So chartreuse yes, is my nice. brand color. He is a highly accomplished creative leader with over two decades of experience when it comes to brand strategy, graphic design, and product development. He has worked with a plethora of the world's most recognized brands like GE, Microsoft, Procter & Gamble, and National Geographic, just to name a few. And quite notably, Old Navy, the most successful retailer in history, and the company he helped reach $1 billion in sales in under five years. He's also the principal of Verhal Brand Designs, a strategic design and branding consultancy based in the U.S. The word Verhal in Dutch means story. My agency is called Story. For today's episode, we find out what it takes to have a good brand story, what to pursue to gain clarity in case you're still unsure, and how can your brand story help transform the lives of others. But first, let's get to know Philip. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Let's talk about the number one greatest career killer for creative professionals. Let's talk about getting creatively inspired. I want to tell you seven great ways to find inspiration. In this video, I want to talk about how you can scale your personal Let's brand. talk about how you get clients from social media. My last name, Van Dusen, is Dutch. My family came from Holland to the United States way before it was ever called the United States. He comes from a family who has a long history of entrepreneurship. I started off my career as a fine artist, as a painter, and I found it very, very difficult to make a living at that early in my career and actually didn't even start doing design work until I was 32 years old. He's done manual jobs like waiting tables, trying to figure out his life then. 
he landed his first real teaching gig at the Lacoste School of Art in the south of France. Teaching in the south of France <laughs> sounds so fancy, right? Yeah, fancy. But I worked there for six months. I came back. And because I'd kept my apartment and stuff in Philadelphia when I was gone, I came back in debt. Like I didn't make enough money teaching to be able to pay my rent back where I was. So I came back after having my first gig teaching in debt, no job. And I realized I wasn't going to be able to make a living in this career. And so I took a bunch of my artwork that I'd made when I was teaching. I had done a bunch of monotypes printmaking, and I had them printed on T-shirts. He started walking around Manhattan trying to sell these fine art T-shirts to boutiques and then started selling them at street fairs. And I loved it. I loved looking at my artwork on an actual thing. And I'll remember the very first time I was walking down the street in Manhattan and I saw someone walking down the street with my artwork on their chest mm -hmm. on a t-shirt. And I was like, man, that is so cool. It was like, instead of selling my work in galleries and doing portrait commissions and that sort of rarefied art world, someone loved my work enough that they put it on their chest and they were walking down <laughs> the street with it. And so that's what led me into the apparel industry. And I ended up working at Old Navy, which had an $800 million a year t-shirt business. And so we were selling t-shirts that were selling in the millions. And I would see the artwork that me and my team walking down the street all over the country, all over the world, Japan, Europe, everywhere. And I'll never get over that. While at Old Navy, Philip led the launch of the company's first licensed product partnerships with clients including Disney, Sony, and Paramount. I'll never get over the excitement <laughs> mm -hmm. of seeing some sort of artwork that I've done walking down the street on someone's chest. So Philip, being the expert and helping these companies like Old Navy create a strategic direction in terms of branding, can you tell us how can you tell a good brand story? Story can come from a couple different places. Story can come from the origin story. So how a company came to be. Is it a founder story? Is it the story of the person who actually founded the company and their particular journey through life that led them to starting this company? Was it something that happened in their life or to someone they knew that presented a problem or a need that they decided they had to fill? And that was the beginning or the impetus of that company or product? Or was it something that was happening in the world that needed some sort of solution, some sort of something to address it in a positive way? So there can be an origin story around a brand. There can be also stories around the brand and what it does and its mission itself. So taking it out of the actual people or the reason why the company came into being, the story around a brand can also be who are the people that the brand helps? What is the problem that they have? How is the problem that they have solved by the product or service that you're offering? Who are those people? What are their lives like? What is this need? How is that affecting their life? How does solving that need affect their life? Those are the sorts of real, true, authentic realities of what we do in business. And so trying to capture and dig into a brand to understand what those things are and to quantify and capture and codify what those things are in some sort of a narrative is important to do because when you are communicating what it is that you're offering to your prospective customer or to the world through advertising or marketing or content or whatever that is, you have to be able to tell that story in a very relatable way. 
An article on Forbes.com defines a brand story as the motivation for starting your business and why you get up and do what you do every day, why customers should care and why they should trust you. The brand story builds connections and it builds trust. People have to be able to understand it. They have to be able to feel it. They have to be able to believe it. Because one of the things about consumers today is that we are much, much more astute and smart and have much sharper antenna and spidey sense around when we're being marketed to. Because we are being marketed to all the time. The sorts of stories that we tell about our brands are establishing our credibility with our prospective customers. Is it something that we really believe and is a core value for us and that we want to truly help them in our heart of hearts? In Simon Sinek's book, Start With The Why, he says, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And what you do simply proves what you believe. People can tell that now. They can tell the difference between someone who's just trying to grab their money and someone who's really trying to solve their problem. And so having the ability to really articulate that story in an effective and emotive way is the difference between a brand that succeeds and one that fails. Philip, you know, branding or branding story, it's something that we often overthink about as entrepreneurs. I also experienced this myself. So the question is, have you also gone through that stage where you're thinking about what your brand is going to be like? If yes, how long did that take you? No brand is ever done. Brands start and you have to come out of the box doing and saying and offering something. But every brand evolves. No brand is static because products and services change. They get better clients, customers change, their lives change, the world changes. All of those things we have to adjust to. And so I think that it's important that we understand again that no brand is static, that you can create an articulation and a definition and a codification of who your brand is at the beginning. You have to go out with a plan, a business plan. You have to start with a brand positioning idea and strategy. But over time, You have to also understand that that will change. And periodically, you have to go back and look at it and say, is this still true? Are all these things exactly the way we had planned it in the beginning or is something shifted? Do we have to change our story, how we tell it, who we're talking to, the way we're messaging it? All of those things are important. And you have to take some time at the beginning to really define who your brand is and what your story is. But then you also have to make time down the road two, three, five years later to go back and relook at it and say, what has changed? And then to, to update it as you go along. It takes time. It's never really done. Creatives are known to be multi-passionates or multi-potentialites. Ever wondered how it's like to work with creatives? What are their obstacles that they usually go through in terms of building their brand? Also, what obstacles does a creative coach like Philip go through? More on these after the break. If you happen to take a short trip to Singapore, or maybe you are already in Singapore, world-renowned Filipino wealth coaches Randall Chongson and Jess Oi will be hosting Money Talks SG 2022 Navigating the Future. Learn how to properly prepare a comprehensive retirement plan that is suited for you and a plan that really works. Find out how you can truly live a life of comfort and learn about the proper investments that is best suited for your needs objectively. 
Join Randall and Jess on the 15th of October 2022, Saturday, at the Lifelong Learning Institute Event Hall, Units Road, Singapore. Money Talks SG 2022, Navigating the Future with Randall Chongson and Jess Ui. Check our show notes to learn more. Back from the break, we talked to Philip and asked him what are the obstacles his creative coaches usually go through in terms of building their own brand story. There's a lot of obstacles, and I, I'm personally familiar with them all because I had to do it all myself, too. The first one that they struggle with is what are they great at? Creatives are usually multi-potentialites. In other words, they are interested and are great in doing many different things. As Emily Wapnick says on her book, How to Be Everything, Multipotentialites tend to struggle with three main areas, work, productivity, and self-esteem. Back to Philip. You know, what is that one thing that they're going to put the stake in the ground? And I like to talk in terms of T-shape and V-shape skill sets. T-shape skill set is where you're really good and deep in one thing. A V-shaped skill set is where you're really good and deep in one thing, but you can also do a bunch of other things, kind of half well or somewhat well. We all start off our careers learning the T, right? We learn graphic design, we learn photography, we learn illustration, we learn video editing, whatever that one thing is that we're great at. And people, creative professionals, start their career that way. But as they progress through their career, and they'll get a job in a company or an agency in-house, and they'll do that one thing. But then as they progress through their career, they realize in order to progress, to get promoted, to maybe start managing people, to make more money, or when they leave a full-time employment situation and they go out and they start freelancing and they start consulting, they realize, oh, darn it, I need a lot more skill sets than this one that I have. And that's one of the things that I coach creative people on is that how do you go about and what do you work on first? What are those alternative skill sets you need to learn? If you're working in-house in a corporation, there are certain type of skill sets you need to learn in that sort of situation. If you're working in an agency, they're actually slightly different. If you're working as a freelancer with your own company, it's actually a lot because you have to really wear all the hats. So when I coach creative professionals, that's what I'm addressing. I'm addressing what's your goal? What's your ambition? What is that next growth step that you want to reach? And then I tutor them and help them to gather the skills to reach that next step. How about you as a coach? I mean, when you're coaching, what are the struggles that you yourself go through? That's really interesting. That's a really interesting question, PJ. I love that question. <laughs> you're looking at me, your podcast viewers can't see me, but I'm gray, <laughs> right? I'm an older dude. I've been around for a long time. I've had a 25 plus year career and I've seen some things. I've interviewed more than 4,000 designers and I've hired wow. full-time more than 400 and that's being charitable. I've been working with, I've led teams as small as three, as large as 65. I've worked with creative professionals my entire life. I've been a creative my whole life and gone through and had a really wonderful arc of a career. And so I've got a whole lot of experience with it. But when I coach creative professionals, there is a point where I'm just meeting them. I desperately want to help them get to the root of their problem as quickly as possible. And I developed these skills when I was managing people and managing creatives is there's kind of a fine balance between 
therapist, kind of therapist mm -hmm. activity, yeah. and professional skills development. I have found, particularly in working with creatives, we are very emotional people. We have a tendency to wear our heart on our sleeves. We're very sensitive, but we're also very driven and ambition and excited and passionate. There's that P word. Mm -hmm. And so there's a delicate balance between the emotional underpinnings of the person and the professional underpinnings of the person. And you have to kind of find that balance. Some people are very professional focused and they are a little more guarded emotionally. Some people are very transparent emotionally, but may not really completely understand where they are or where they want or need to go professionally. So a lot of it for me is kind of like at the beginning, it's like fact finding, you know, it's like a discovery call with a new client. It's like, you got to ask a ton of questions and really listen. And that is, I think the thing that I've gotten better at in my career over time is knowing the right questions to ask, knowing how to really listen and take that in and then give the appropriate feedback. That's what being a gray hair offers me because I've seen and heard almost everything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So I've got a bit of, of a backlog of stories to draw off of. That's probably the biggest struggle for me is like that moment at the very beginning where I feel like this person's hired me. They're paying me a decent chunk of money to help me solve their problem. I feel a bit of pressure in that. But usually as soon as we start talking and I start get, pulling that information out of them, I feel much more secure that I'm going to be able to help them. I hope I can help this person. You know, I hope I don't fail them. You mentioned fail with all these years of experience in the industry and with coaching. Tell us about the time you actually failed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I try to impress upon people when I teach them, when I run masterminds, is that when you look at Philip Van Dusen from the outside, you look at my LinkedIn profile, you look at all the titles I've had, all the companies I've worked for, all the clients I've had, you know, as a personal brand influencer, I hate that term, but as someone who puts out a lot of content and has a bit of a higher social profile, right? You might say, oh, wow, that guy's like, had a golden path, right? He's he's never hit an obstacle in his life. It's been so easy, so accomplished. It's all been on a silver platter. And wow, what a fantastic, flawless experience that must have been. Could not be farther, <laughs> could not be farther from the truth. You don't see any of that when you look at me from the outside, right? You don't see any of the struggles. You don't see any of the troubles. My last big corporate job, I completely burned out on. I was working in global position. I was working 80-hour weeks. My dad was in the process of passing away from dementia. I was in a deeply emotional hole for myself. And I burned out. And I, and I left probably the biggest job of my career. And it was a traumatic experience. None of that kind of shows up on the outside. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of dips, a lot of challenges that I've had to face in my life and in my professional career. And I bring that to bear in all of my coaching. I'm very transparent about it because I think it's important that when someone who's had the level of career that I've had is working with people who I'm coaching and helping, that I'm really transparent around the challenges that I've had because people can identify with that, keep people understand and realize and feel the authenticity in that. If I come to every 
relationship that I've had with some sort of veneer of perfection, then I'm not helping anybody. Unless I share those things with them, they don't realize that, oh, that stuff could happen to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or when it does happen to me, I know that I'll be able to get through it because Philip was able to get through it, right? So getting through the obstacles and to the next step or getting through the fear or getting through the unfortunate instance that happened is what I teach about almost more than anything else because I've dealt with so much adversity in my career and helped people through so much adversity in my career. And that's when people come for coaching. People come for coaching, not because they're feeling fantastic about where they are. Mm -hmm. People come for coaching because they're struggling. And so being transparent about the struggles that I've had is important to people because I have to establish a level of credibility in the fact that I can, number one, I've been sitting in their chair and number two, that I've seen it before and I can help them get around it. It's so great to hear this from you. You know, my takeaway from all this is that you have to be authentic because people will resonate with you. It's especially hard, PJ, when when you've gotten to a level in your career where people are expecting you to be perfect Mm -hmm. and then for you to come to the table and say, hey, I had some really crap things happen to me in my life, or I'm really screwed up here in my life. It's hard to admit your failures, but the more you do it, the more it helps people. When you think of the word transformation, what immediately comes to mind? I think that people personally in their personal lives or family lives or in their professional lives, no one is static. No one stands still. No one never changes. Everyone is changing all the time. And I think that transformation for me is marking the passage of time to an extent, because we all learn something new every day. We all wake up slightly different person every day. And sometimes those pivots or changes are more dramatic. Those sorts of transformations are the big ones. And our lives are full of micro transitions and macro ones every single day. And I think being accepting of change as a constant is one of the things that will give someone more ease in their life if they come to expect it. It's when we expect things to be static and not change that we create friction in our lives. And for creatives in particular, I have a quote that I love that came from a guy, Paul Pressler, who used to be the CEO of Gap, who I was working with at the time. And he said to me, he said, Philip, a great career is more like a web than a ladder. Great careers are not linear. Creatives have a tendency to be creative in lots of areas of their life. And some people, that is almost torture because they are interested in so many different creative uh, pursuits and they have a very difficult time either focusing or simplifying or being able to pursue something to the level that they expected themselves. I think transformation for me is about accepting those side jogs in the web of your career or your life is that sometimes our progression is not linear. Sometimes something comes on our path either by our choice or not by our choice that we have to make a decision or it's some sort of a fork in the road or an inflection point that we have to adjust how we live or how we work or how we approach something or how we think about something that will take us to that next step, whatever that next step is. And If we come to accept that that is life, that those changes and transitions are life, then we can pass through life with a lot less friction. I actually lurked and found an interview you did with Chris Doe's The Future Podcast. There was something there that you said, and I quote, it is better to pursue something you are curious about 
rather than your passion. What did you mean exactly? A lot of creatives are creative in a lot of different avenues. They don't have that one towering strength that they can say is their ultimate passion. There's a lot of pressure in that decision. There's a lot of pressure in that word. And so when I talk to and coach creative people, I try to impress upon them the importance to paying attention to what they're curious about. What do they want to learn about? When they think about something new, people's passions change all the time. Curiosity to me is a slower burn. It's more of a process. It's more of something that evolves over time. So I counsel people to pay attention to what they're curious about because that's going to lead them across that web through those kind of side jogs, those right, left turns, much better than a final choice of a passion. I think that passion is what results from the pursuit of curiosity. That over time, as you pursue what you're curious about and it gets clearer what it is that really lights your fire, passion is the result of years of curiosity, is that you develop a passion for something. It's not something that you decide up front. How do you think your personal stories, your personal branding stories can be used to transform the lives of others? I think I do it through what I just did today. I share my story as transparently as I can. And that's what I try to do. And the interesting thing, PJ, is that in the people that I coach, when I see people go through them and then I see them start putting those things into action and start transforming their businesses and their lives and their careers, that to me gives me more satisfaction than anything in the world. And we can circle right back, like Joselle Tech. My mentor, Philip Dusen. He was really able to show me the ins and outs of becoming a creative entrepreneur. I taught Joselle Tech brand strategy through my mentoring her. And my mentoring her through brand strategy is what actually gave me the impetus to create my brand strategy 101 course. But Joselle Tech took what I taught her in brand strategy 101. And within the first couple projects that she used that information in, she sold a brand strategy project for $6,000 for something that she had been giving away for free, taught her how to codify it, put it into a process and charge money for it. And I remember to this day, the Facebook message that I got from her that was all caps and all exclamation points. It was like, <laughs> OMG, I cannot believe it. I just <laughs> sold my first brand strategy project and I made blah, 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 right? And she was freaking out. And that was like one of the best days of my life. I love when that stuff happens. <laughs> I love when a tool that I gave mm -hmm. somebody transforms their life. Human beings are wired for stories. And our personal stories are what bring us to understand each other that help us build a connection with each other. A brand story is more than just about your logo, your tagline, or your branding colors. They're just a minuscule part of your overall brand. It's about who you are, the stories you tell, the feelings you evoke, and the relationships you build with people that help establish trust. And as much as it is about you, more importantly, it's also about the people you choose to serve. Who are you to them? What can you do for them? How will you bring them from their point A to point B? Every business has a story to tell. Question is, what's yours? To learn more about Philip's signature course, it's now available on demand and on video. So if you go to philipvandusen.com, that's letters B S 
101. You can learn more about it, purchase it, and start today. Also, join Philip's Brand Design Masters Facebook group, an exclusive community of creative professionals and entrepreneurs improving their branding, strategy, design, and marketing skills to grow a successful business for themselves and for the customers they serve. Get to know Philip Van Dusen more by subscribing to his YouTube channel at Philip Van Dusen, his podcast Brand Design Masters Podcast. And if you like reading blogs, he also has one he calls Brand Muse. You can find all this information and content about Philip and his agency for Hell Design on his website at www.philipvandusen.com. Many thanks again to Philip Van Dusen for joining us on this episode and to Giselle Tech of The Rolling Media for introducing us to him. We do appreciate you and please watch out as we feature her here on the show as well very soon. So don't miss that. This episode was written and produced by yours truly, edited and co-produced by Brian Bruces. On our next episode, we bring you another edition of our sandwich series. This time, we talk about how to take the bore out of a story and make it even more powerful. That's next. Follow us on the Visionary Podcast and Visionary Media on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have feedback for us, do write us at tvp at visionarymedia.com. I'm PJ Chong Soneri. This is the Visionary Podcast. Catch you on the next.